Welcome to the Daryl W. Kruger Library Anthony Podcast. Our weekly podcast features the research, discovery, and creative output of our faculty, students, staff, and neighbors in Southeast Minnesota. I am Kendall Larson, the Digital Collections Librarian at Winona State. I co-host this podcast with my colleague, Allison Kwam. Our first podcast of the fall 2018 semester is with Representative Jean Plowski. It is on the topic of the model legislature. Jean Plowski was first elected to represent the House District 28A in 1986, to which he was recently re-elected in 2018. On November 14th and 15th, 2018, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. each day, Representative Plowski will be leading his model legislature at Winona State's Tau Center. The model legislature teaches students about the legislative process through the actual experience of working through the process of writing and passing legislation. And Jean will talk more about this. Also with us today is Professor of Political Science, Daryl Downs. So now let's go and let's hear about the history of the origins of the model legislature. And thank you, Representative Plowski and Dr. Downs for joining me today. All right, welcome to today's Library Anthenaeum. Today we have with us Representative Jean Plowski, Professor Daryl Downs, and Librarian Kendall Larson. Thank you for being here, Representative Plowski. Thank you for uh, having us tonight. I'm going to enjoy going over the history of the Venona model legislature. Thank you. Representative Pulowski, uh, welcome. Uh, what is the history of the model legislature? When did it begin? The Winona model legislature was originally called the J.C. model legislature, and it began in 1962. Norm Indahl was the mayor of Winona, and he also chaired the social studies department at Winona Senior High. He must have been at one time a member of the Winona area J.C.s, but by that time he had moved into the full J.C.s. So he had decided that they were going to have a model legislature, and they started it at the high school, and then it was moved to Winona State. And Dr. Ahmed Elefande was the advisor for the political science department. So in its first initial concept, it was sponsored by the Winona area JCs, by Winona Senior High, and by Winona State University in the political science department. I took over in 1975 when at the end of an interview where I was interviewed for the lone social studies position that was open at Winona Senior High, which apparently 252 people applied for. At the end of the interview with Norm Indahl in his office, I was given a bill book and he said, you'll be doing this to kid. So that was my entire orientation to doing the Winona Model Legislature. Then all of the bills had to be hand typed. So Mr. Miner's typing class would suspend everything for a week. They would hand type all the bills by the students. We didn't have computers. We didn't have any type of database. So every time a student was added, you had to retype all of the lists of everything. And then most of the headers on the bills were hand done and hand done either when we were putting it together or hand done as we went through the model legislature. Once we had a, a, the start of the bill book and it was in a format that we could actually take to a printer, the printer was called a Xerox machine. And you took it to the Xerox machine and you ran off exactly as many copies as you had students, not one more, not one less. So the copies, I. I don't have any copies from the Norm Indahl days. I thought I did, and I still may discover some in what was left of my garage when my neighbor took out the side wall. But I do have, at least back to 1978. Now, I started in 1975. And by then, I was already changing the format 
and we were slowly evolving away. The JCs were dying. So as the JCs died, we became more entrenched at Winona State. And Winona State took over the entire operation of it and supplied the space because there was no longer space at the high school. In those years, we were packed. So you couldn't operate a one or two day event at the high school. You simply didn't have room to do it. And we had a, between 100 to 120 students even then that would participate. And I think our lowest was around 65 or 70. Other schools did also participate, and this is even more interesting. It was Lanesboro and it was Lewiston primarily that participated. Cotter came over, but as the cuts came in in the late 70s and 80s, the teachers who were at the bottom of the totem pole got cut. They were the ones that were probably doing model edge. So those schools slowly faded away because of the cuts. So it became really Winona Senior High and Cotter because it was in town, there was no travel. So for a number of years, you only see those schools, which was a shame because the mix of students is always the best. And the mix goes something like this. The eighth through 12th graders were actual legislators. So they would be in the House and Senate and they would also elect a governor. The seventh graders or sixth graders would be pages and we could have as many as 10 to 15 pages at a time. So if you're looking at, let's say 100 students, we would probably need 10 or 12 pages at least. And then the mix of schools, um, Monona Senior High usually brought the most, uh, but not always. And uh, you, you had people who would be in this from seventh grade through 12th grade. So by the time they got to be 12th graders, they were really good. In fact, they were so good that we, when we had visitors come and visitors from the legislature, there were comments. And I'll tell you one by Frank, or Representative Frank Hornstein came and he stayed a day. He then had to give a speech on the House floor because that's what we do. And he decided to give it on the Winona Mountain Legislature. Only he said, he started it this way, he said, I, I called, I visited the Winona Mountain Legislature with Representative Pulowski and I was extremely impressed with it, but I called it a mock legislature. And Representative Pulowski immediately corrected me. He said, no, we serve in the mock legislature. This is the model legislature. And then he went on to describe how it really was a model legislature. So the students are nonpartisan. We don't have Republican, Democrat, Green Party. You have liberals and conservatives, you can't change that. But there is no partisan designation here at all. And if students want to do that, we tell them they can't. For this exercise, it's purely nonpartisan. So I've talked enough. You, what more information do you need? Well, Representative Plowski, in the actual legislature, every two years you have 120 days yeah. to do your business. How do these students, could you walk through the mechanics of this and explain how these students can put this all together and get their work done in a couple of days? My students at uh, Winona State now, the teaching social studies students, start the last week of August in preparation for putting the bill book together. The bill book, uh, when it was paper, could be 480 pages long. Uh, in 2017, we finally went digital and now the bill book is 13 pages and everything is on the website. But how they put it together is that for, since 2007, we have a website and we use the website to put the bill book together. Now the interesting thing about the website is, the website was created in 2005 and 2006 by Ben Ruberg as an 11th grader. He had a MacBook Pro. He's, and we were still having trouble, even with databases and other things, putting a bill book together without having a tremendous amount of handwork. 
So he was the first to put a bill book together and link all of the database to the headers and to everything else in the book. So the minute we put a name in, it flowed over to the bill, it flowed over to committee, it flowed over to the House and Senate, it did everything, which was a huge advantage to us. So when he became a senior, I brought him over to Winona State and we met with Daryl Kruger, president of the college. And Daryl Kruger said, well, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna make a website out of this. So we met with Adam Gelly and two other tech people here they spent the entire summer creating a website based on the work of a 12th grader at Winona Senior High. And that's the core website we still use, except now it's been really upgraded. The paper is minimal now. Everything is digital. So last night my students were experimenting in my social studies class where they went into a committee setting and they were presenting their bills and then they were passing them or not passing them and they were working the, the website to make sure all the links worked so we could visually see same time that your bill passed this committee, your bill was going to the next committee, your bill was going to the House or Senate, wherever it was going to go. So the, the work on this starts at the end of August and we have model legislature the week before Thanksgiving and we spend almost all of our time putting together the bill book. Now, what's the bill book consist of? The students that participate select a bill from the Minnesota legislature. So our House file and Senate file numbers are identical to the bills that you see on our House site or Senate sites. We then copy the bill from the reviser and we embed it into our website. So all formatting has to carry through, underline, strike out, everything. And the students have to be taught between a Mac and between the dark side, the HP side, how this <laughs> works. This is basically an HP Microsoft-driven site. But I've got, I'd say 90% of my students in the education department are Mac. So there are certain things they have to learn to do differently and if push comes to shove, whoever has HP, those are my one or two primary students that I go, you're going to be asked to do some things because frankly they can't do it or they can't do it fast enough. So you're going to have to do it. So when you look at our site, you're seeing a mirror image now of the reviser site of the Minnesota House of Representatives. And in 2017, Scott Olson, because we, were, we had melted down one printer the night we tried to print the bill book in my teaching social studies class. It caught fire over here in Monet, and we thought that was a bad thing. So, <laughs> and it took until past midnight to get most of the bill book done. Then the next day I had to go over to Thompson and I had to work with their tech staff to finish it off. So I met with Scott Olson and then I met with the provost, I met with the dean of education, and I said, well, we simply can't do a 500 page bill book anymore. It's beyond the capacity to print the master copy and then we're having trouble. So he said then we're going to meet, or they said, we're going to meet with tech staff and met with Adam Gelly and then four other tech staff and actually they got into it and they built an image of the reviser. So I explained to them how our site worked, they went to the reviser's site and now everything is almost the same way it is in the legislature. So anytime a bill moves, we log at same time. You can see it. And parents love it. And of course the students, I had to go to all the area schools and we had to check to see if their ThinkPads, iPads, laptops, if their system worked. My students have to do all the loading. 
because frankly their systems aren't up to the same level as when on a state. Mm -hmm. And the Microsoft upgrades always wreak havoc with our site. Our site is built, and this is Adam Gelly's phrase and I like it, with digital duct tape. Every time Microsoft does an upgrade, they never tell you what they're taking away or what they're putting on. So there were some things that we had used for years and suddenly you couldn't use them anymore because the capacity wasn't there. So you had to find another way to use it. This year the digital duct tape was minimal, but according to um, Mr. Gelly, next year we're going to have to have a thorough revision of the site. It's going to have to be built almost exclusively on Winona State primary site material and then upgraded simultaneously with everything else because now it's sort of a standalone off to the side. So we'll have, and, and you can see from 2007 till now, you can see all the bills the students put in. Uh, my students do the committee minutes, so my students staff the committees. My students also have to select a bill just like the students and put it in. They have to do a research on a bill. My students staff the House and Senate and they staff the governor's office. And this is how they become a social studies teacher, by working with, hands-on, students from private school, public school, charter school, grades 7 through 12. And frankly, the first day of class, they're scared to death. And I simply go, well, I don't know what you're going to be teaching, but you know, these are students who you're likely to be teaching. And I think in an interview with a superintendent or a principal, it would be a good thing to say, here's what I participated in, here's what I'd like to bring to our school district and our school to do. And it is the only model legislature of its kind in the country. There's nothing else like it. This is not what happens with the YMCA. The YMCA is a cross between the United Nations, the federal government, the state government, and I'm not sure what other governments, and I don't even know if I want to guess. This is just the Minnesota legislature. That's it. So we don't do any, we don't print money. We don't do treaties. <laughs> um, we don't declare war. They, they don't get to do any of that. You can go to model uh, YMCA or UN for that stuff. We're the model legislature for Minnesota. You have many years in the classroom teaching. Yeah. I'm wondering if you have identified things along the way that you can say that students really learn as life skills that, that you wouldn't be able to do or wouldn't be able to draw out of them if it were in the classroom. We have students now who have staffed every level of government including uh, the Oval Office of the President of the United States. So you cannot go anywhere in Washington DC or state government uh, without finding one of our students somewhere. And up there now, well, uh, Senator Miller was a, a participant in model legislature, but you, we have littered through, you would call them lobbyists, we call them government relations people. You have several of them now in St. Paul who are former students who lobby. They come to lobby me, which is sort of an interesting twist. Um, so we have them all over and um, they will get involved. They like to stay involved. We've got um, uh, staff in the Republican Senate caucus. Two of our former uh, model edge people now staff the Republican Senate caucus. Uh, Emmett Hadeen, who's now working in Winona on uh, campaigns, he was a page this entire year for both Ways and Means uh, and for the Capital Investment Committee. So they're, they're everywhere. Uh, there was a person named Sam Downs and I remember this summer he called me and he wanted a recommendation and now he's a paralegal in one of the major lobbying firms 
in St. Paul. He's also in a history of the model legislature I'm creating and I've embedded his new business card because if students send me things I copy them and I embed them in. So here's Sam is, you know, he was Lieutenant Governor I think in 2009. Now he's paralegal for a powerful law firm. So it all happens that way. And that's what we want them to do. We want them to take this and use it. So. Are there, are there other ways that Winona State students could increase their involvement in this model legislature? Well, we've asked repeatedly. Um, my students, of course, participate. So I think the most interesting thing was in 2012, uh, we had a student who participated and she really liked it and she was heavily involved in it and she wanted to come back the next year because she was still at the campus. So I said, fine, you can come back the next year. And she was also lobbying then for the Education Village. So she decided she'd take the Education Village bill and she'd run it the next year at Model Legislature. And she couldn't get it out of the Education Committee. So she came over to me and she said, they won't pass the Education Bill. And I said, really? She said, well, they think it's too expensive and it's not needed. I said, well, welcome to real politics. So. Because she had been in the year before, she knew enough now to be able to work the committee, but then to also go, she went to the Speaker of the House first. So the Speaker had to go over to the committee chair and say, you know, we want this to pass. <laughs> and she said, I don't have the votes in committee. I just don't. I mean, you have to understand that in 2012, too, we were coming out of cutting everything. I mean, the grades, all of our school systems had been cut, everything had been cut, and now you're looking at a 30-some million dollar project. So they finally figured out a path to the governor's desk, but she spent two solid days doing one thing, lobbying to get votes from each committee to get it to the governor's desk. So when I say hands-on learning, this was an experience for her because on campus, you know, everyone's all for it. Well, the world isn't this campus. And out there, they have a different view of what we do here. And you have to also deal with that. And remember, they're the ones that elect people, and they're the ones that pay the taxes. So th this is a real-life experience for our students quite often, too. Could you expand a little bit on how legislators in St. Paul are learning from this process? As they walk, they're yeah. learning about process, and they're learning about overcoming partisanship and ideology? Well, first of all, they're working with real bills. So they're not working with anything we've concocted here. These are bills legislators have introduced. We teach them how to amend the bills. So even last night, several of my students want to amend their bills. And I said, fine, we'll use the same protocols that revisers use, and we'll amend the bill whichever way you want. They also have to balance the budget over those two years, which in the, in the years we were cutting were Herculean. Uh, and, of course, we have the famous confrontation with Governor-elect Pawlenty in front of the Montessori Charter School of the entire legislative delegation from Model Edge, including the governor, the lieutenant governor, the chair of Ways and Means, the chair of all the committees, presenting him with a resolution saying to him that this is how you should balance the budget fairly by half tax increases and half cuts, Governor. And when the governor, and this is Governor-elect Pawlenty, looked at our governor, Governor Merkowitz, and said, well, all you want to do is raise taxes, she replied, no, it isn't, Governor-elect. Let me explain it to you. And that made the front page of the star trip. So these students have been in it long enough where they know budgets, they know how to work a budget, and they're not afraid of saying, and I'm saying the confrontation with Governor Lickplenty was not done badly, it was done well. 
The next day, I had Pat Kessler from WCCO in my office saying, I want to talk about those college kids that you know, confronted Pelenny down in Winona, and I said, no, they were high school students. And he said, no, 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 the, the, the students that were in front of Montessori, the high school students, and I said, they were high school students. He said, they couldn't have been. They knew more about budgets than he did. And I said, yes, they did. They've been trained in it for five years, and they do. So those are things we want them to get involved in. And by the way, they became infamous in the legislature. They were referred to as the alpha females because they were all females. So Representative Huntley actually put their resolution in bill form and introduced it as a bill, uh, which they were very pleased about. Well, could you talk a bit about going back to the actual model legislature? So, um, about the basics of like, do they pick bills? Then they use the the budget is from the previous they, year. They pick How, a bill, what, are the, what is the composition of what that looks like? They pick a bill from the last legislative session, and we were not going to have duplicate bills. So when you see the site, the site's built that if you take a House file or a Senate file number that's already taken, it'll block mm -hmm. you, and you can't use that bill, and it'll tell you right up front. So the instructors. Um, load the bill, they load the student information, then my students actually load the bill. And then if they want to change it, of course, they can change it. So they have to pick a bill from recent session. Now there are exceptions, and here's, here's an exception. I will draft bills. If, there are, if the 4,541 bills aren't enough for students that have been put in in the, model or in the real legislature, I will draft more. So what I did this year, the city of Winona has a series of things they may go to St. Paul with. And I talked with the mayor and with the city manager, and I also talked with their government relations person, and I said, okay, lay out what those are. And, and they said, well, we're not going to go with all five of them. And I said, no, I, I can understand that. But what I'm going to do is draft all five separate bills, and we're going to have the students put them in. So those are drafted. I just received them from the reviser. The students are going to run them, and they'll have house file numbers that are in the 7,000. So they'll, that'll be an indication that it's been a drafted bill by me that they're picking up and running. So you can't go to our website in St. Paul and find it. And then they're gonna get the information from the mayor's office on why they need these bills. Yeah. One is an overpass on Louisa Street. Um, there is a dredging of uh, the lake again uh, because we're having a fill problem with the lake. There's improvements down at the levee. Uh, there are, there's a, a bike path and a, and a connection that they want also down there. So, and it's coming from different sources. It all won't be capital. Some of it might be a half cent sales tax. Some of it might be heritage funds. But this is also good for the students to learn. You, we're taking these from a variety of sources. So we're not just taking them from one source. This isn't all general revenue. In fact, almost none of it's general revenue. It's either going to be capital uh, uh, or it's going to be heritage or it might be a type of hybrid where we do a mix of a a sales tax that goes on and off, like we did to dredge the lakes, well, this is over 15 years ago. And then when the, you raise your portion of it, it goes off. So those are things we've been, we'll be working on this year. And then you work with the budget from last year, which, how do they, they have to, wherever we are with the budget, I will get them the budget documentation we have. And if we have, now we have a surplus, so they're in good shape, they can spend money. In the years we didn't, they had to figure out a way to generate revenue so they could fund their bills or they could not pass any bill that spent money. So one of their big interesting discussions 
And the governor had several meetings with both the uh, leadership of the House and Senate, I'm talking about the model edge now, on how to concoct a balanced budget with enough revenue that you could spend on anything. Because they wanted to spend money, of course, on education. They wanted to spend some money on health care. And you're talking in the hundreds of millions. Well, we didn't have it. We had nothing. And that's a real lesson for them. How do you, what are you going to raise, and then where are you going to spend it? And, you know, you do have students who are very conservative, and now the dynamic in the legislature is can you get the votes to pass this? The best example is we had an eighth grader his first year. He was a little brother of somebody. He had a shrubbery bill, and he was going to pass a shrubbery bill that was just going to, you know, enhance certain types of shrubbery somewhere. <laughs> and they needed a bill to put their budget into, and they didn't have any other bill on the House floor from those chapters of law. So they had to do a delete everything out of his bill and they dumped in their entire budget <laughs> bill. So this little eighth grader stood up and even argued against his own bill. He said, this is my shrubbery bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's the omnibus appropriation bill and I don't even think my shrubbery stuff's still in it. <laughs> so, it, and unfortunately, that's also real life too. I mean, they have to be able to part bills on the floor that they can insert what they need to insert in. So passing everything all at once isn't necessarily a good idea. Do you have any other fond memories? Uh, the shrubbery bill? The, Merkowitz, uh, Governor Merkowitz. Uh, well, the governor, yeah, the Governor Merkowitz one is, is, is a classic. Uh, we then had with Pelini the only um, special session we've ever had of the legislature. Winona was one of five cities that was going to be designated capital for a day. And I don't know if you remember, but you voted online and we became one. And then he came down and he presented, you know, the infamous stamp that had the bridge on it that was the sesquicentennial stamp, which we closed that bridge two weeks later. So they asked us to have a special session and we had it in uh, City Hall. And we had a very limited number of bills. And in fact, it's in the history that I've done of this. So they've had two interesting working relationships with Pelenny. The first was when he was governor-elect and they were telling him how to do the budget. <laughs> and then they, he came down to Winona and son of a gun, it's the stamp and who's going to meet? It's that model legislature, so I remember him calling me over and he said, now they're, they're not gonna ask me all those tough questions again, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, governor, I think you're, you're good to go here. But it, you know, of course the bridge hadn't been closed. So I mean, there have been numerous um, uh, times well, the other is the, the Paul Wellstone. Uh, Paul Wellstone was coming to town. He was in the uh, heated election. And this is the same group of alpha females. And they wanted him to speak at Model Edge. So they, he had an event down at Acoustic. They left lunch to go because I had to write out passes. They met with him and he agreed to speak at Model Edge. So there's a picture of them outside of Acoustic. Then there's a letter with the picture. And then, of course, he died. He didn't get to do it. But I mean, they have had interesting relationships with governors and all sorts of people. And then some relationships they, they turn down. When certain politicians want to come and have a panel, I'm not going to name who they are. I said, I, I can't say you can do that. I said, I'm going to ask them, but I know what the answer is. No. No, when they want to have a panel with us up there, when they want to have a panel in the morning? And I said, no, they wouldn't. They don't have time. So I went to the 
students and I said, you know, we've got these politicians that want to have a panel with you. I said, they can come and watch. We don't have time. And they don't. If you've ever been there, they don't. They're book solid for two days. They don't have any time to listen to a panel. So then the politicians came and said, yeah, you're right. They don't have any time for us. And I said, well, but you might learn something if you stay long enough. Does this experience make you more hopeful about democracy with these young well, kids? They do a good job. They always do a great job. We falter, continually falter. That's sad. It's very yeah. Without the partisanship, it's interesting because you're only debating the policy or whatever the issue is. And, you know, they get pro-choice, uh, pro-life will have huge debates in committee and on the floor, just like we do. But there isn't the partisanship lace to it. Uh, legalizing marijuana. They're all for legalizing marijuana until they find out what it costs and who's against it and who's for it and how you implement it. Uh, we had this debate last night in committee because one of the students had it and by the time we were done they had tabled his bill in committee and I thought yeah you had to table it. It, it isn't working yet. So you know it, these are discussions they should have and it isn't a discussion from the textbook. They pick the bill. They had to research it. They have to defend it and they have to change it or, or you suffer the consequences of it not passing or if you want it to pass then you better work on compromise. And compromise you have to work with. And they learn. And it's interesting because it's other schools so they don't know these people. So if you're going to go over to another school and ask for a vote, you're going just on the pure policy or issue. You're not going on anything else. And, and that's a different way to work at that uh, age level and grade level. So. It is interesting. So you mentioned this occurs every year, the week before Thanksgiving. It does. It does. It's only been around for 54 years. years. Okay. Yeah. How would other people that aren't part of the modern legislature, can they come and observe or participate or volunteer? We, I do press releases on this. Anybody can come. We don't have a lot of volunteers because we don't have... I don't say this in a bad way. We have our we have the pages and everything's good to go, but we have people come all the time. We had grandparents. The Merkowitz grandparents came for several students. They would sit in the back and they would watch the um, grandkids. And they actually got recognized several years in a row because they'd come in the back and they just loved it. They had a blast. And you'll have other parents come. We had uh, a student who was handicapped and wanted to participate and the mother came and literally sat with the student on the floor and in committee and everywhere else. But the student just loved it, just loved it and, and wanted to participate but needed assistance, so. You would have alumni that are in retirement age for oh, this yeah. program. Easily. Do they come back occasionally? Uh, what's, what's even more interesting is on Facebook, I've been dropping parts of the history around and now suddenly all these people start you know, chiming in about when they were involved and who they were involved with. Uh, and it's interesting to see them because I saw some of them as pages. I saw some of them as high school students. Then I saw some as, you know, college students. You can see Steve Clift is in there. Steve Clift was um, huge in model legislature. Then he ran one of the, you would call it a blog today. He called it something else, but he ran one of the first statewide uh, computer generated issue uh, discussions and now he's working uh, on the walls campaign and the minute I congratulated him he came right back with you know model edge and then came back with a couple of other things so that's also in the book no they're they're all over I, I never know where they're gonna pop up that they're just there 
Well, thank you for speaking with us today. Did you have other yeah, questions? Yeah, I have one more oh, question. Oh, you have one more question. Okay. How would a, uh, a high school social studies teacher or a okay. student that's not presently involved in this find a way to get involved in this? They should, they should go to their high school social studies teacher, but I found that going to the social studies teachers and being one for 37 years isn't exactly the best route. This has to be a superintendent's decision and it has to be a principal's decision. I'm going to use Austin as the example. Uh, I went over to Austin and I did a presentation and Dave Krenz, who taught across the hall from me, he's superintendent, he, he loved it and he wanted to participate, but you needed a teacher to do it. Well, no teacher wants to do it because it's an extra assignment. So finally they got somebody sort of to do it and now we've worked it out where Representative Jean Poppy is going to be the liaison for the students, which I think is the most ideal uh, position to have anyway. Um, so you have to find somebody in the community that's willing to support this. I should say, I, I should talk about how this is funded. I can't tell you how much Winona State donates. I don't know. I don't think I ever really want to know. Certainly the amount would be off the charts considering the website, considering the facilities. Uh, staff time, I mean, it, it is tremendous. And um, I went to Winona State, and Ann McDonald was working in the Leadership Center, and I'd worked with her on summer on leadership things. And I said, we're going to move the entire operation over here, and I need to put whatever money we get now over here. So then she and I went around, and we found out the most interesting thing, which some of you have found out recently, too. We did a presentation to Bob Curlin. Bob Curlin loved it. He just said, what would it take? And I gave him a number. He said, fine. He said, but if you ever need more. We went to Hugh Miller at RTP. We did a presentation in his office. He said, well, what do you need? And I told him, he said, good. Then he said, but I, I, I wanted to go someplace safe. Foundation Illinois State. So we raised $10,000 locally. We don't sell pizzas. We don't wash cars. We don't sell candy. We don't even sell popcorn. I just go to people and say, we just support democracy. And they will, but they want the money to be in a safe place. And that is a telling. There's a great email from Bob Curlin. The first time he saw this, he was elected senator. He had just gone through their Senate um, uh, orientation. And he said, Everyone who's elected to the legislature should come down here and spend two days with the model legislature. They'd learn a lot more than I did. <laughs> so that's the emails in the history of it, too. Okay. Thank you for joining us for today's Library Anthony.